Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hello, how's it going? Thanks so much for downloading this episode of The Future of Agriculture. My name is Tim Hammerich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. We are finally settled in our new location, Eagle, Idaho, just outside of the Boise area. So if you're ever up here and would love to meet in person, I would sure like that. Uh, Let me know, Tim at aggrad.com or on Twitter at Tim Hammerich. Well, really excited about this episode here today, and we're talking more about ag retail and about uh, sort of a farmer adoption of technology and what the farm supply chain of the future might look like, specifically from the inputs perspective, how farmers buy their feed, seed, chemical, fertilizer. Um, There has been uh, a few different startups that have sort of brought this issue to to the forefront lately, and one of them is on the show with us today. We have Alexander Reichert. He's the CEO of AgVend. Uh, AgVend is a platform where an agriculture retailer can in, interact with their customers and sell inputs uh, digitally online. AgVend partners with these retailers to uh, help them with this process and to serve their farmer customer. Really enjoyed this, uh, this episode for a variety of reasons, so I'm just going to let you get right into it. Here is my interview with Alexander Reichert, the CEO and co-founder of AgVent. Alexander Reichert, CEO of AgVent. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. I've been a long-time listener, first-time caller over here, but uh, <laughs> excited for, uh, for, for the chat today. I'm excited too. Maybe for starters, uh, for anyone who's listening who, who hasn't heard of AgVend, uh, can you just give us maybe the, the high-level soundbite about what is AgVend? Yeah, absolutely. So AgVend is a, uh, it's a digital marketplace that is uh, designed to uh, kind of help ag retailers reach grower customers who are looking to make a purchase online. Uh, and we have a developed the AgVent platform, which have two different products. You have the AgVent marketplace, which you can go to at agvent.com. Uh, and then we also have the AgVent storefront, which is more of a private labeled solution. So that's going to be rolling out here in the next few months where you'll see some of the large uh, retailers in the country uh, have their own e-commerce websites that are powered by AgVent. Cool. And, and so if, if I'm a, a retailer, which I would imagine is like, it could be a co-op or a private company that's been selling inputs to farmers. Um, and I've that's always right. done that over the phone or in person, I can now offer my customers the chance to just hop online and check it out. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And so, it, it, you know, we talk about this integrated approach to e-commerce where in person by the phone, that's where the majority of business uh, has been done in agriculture uh, for you know hundreds of years at this point. And, uh, uh, and, and now we're introducing this third component here, which is the online space uh, and how, how to integrate that into what's already being done today is, is our goal. Okay. And so uh, your customer your, your primary customer really is, is the retailer themselves. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So someone said, uh, someone asked me that and it's kind of like who pays the bills. Uh, and so, yeah, it's the retailer is the one who, uh, who, um, 
who does pay to either list on the AgVend marketplace, which is a collection of retailers that are listing inventory, and you can go to agven.com to see that, or who want to launch their own e-commerce website uh, and so and do that at their own domain. So, yeah, the retailer pay is is our customer, but you know we call them our retail partners actually, because really at the end of the day, we're all focused on serving the grower customer uh, who's making that that purchase. Oh, I love that. So yeah, you're you're partnering with the retailer to to, to provide better service for for their customer, for the farmer. Uh, how, right. how did you sort of attach yourself to to this cause, to this problem? What's your background? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a you know interesting kind of fell into this uh, a little bit here. But um, so my partner and I have been have have been part of different uh, companies and and high growth uh, successful companies here in Silicon Valley for the better half of 10, 15 years. Uh, and we both met at a company called Mavericks, which was an aerial imagery uh, analytics company uh, that just was acquired by Tyrannus a few months ago. Uh, and we met there and, and had spent some time. And, and Mavericks's model was interesting. It was kind of using retail as the channel to reach the grower. So spent a lot of time with retailers and understanding how they're set up and how they're how they're how they how they how they how much value that they do provide to the grower, uh, and then on the flip side, we also spent a lot of time with growers and understood that there was a younger generation of grower who was still looking for a way to engage and buy from the retailers within their community, just was looking for a more digital way to do so, uh, and that came from you know, the story is, is sitting in a bar in Iowa. Uh, where I'm watching this uh, farmer who I was having dinner with uh, you know, buy uh, toilet paper, four ply toilet paper of all things, on Amazon, and I said, "That's <laughs> that's crazy. How much of your household purchases do you do online?" He said, "He looked at me. He said, 95 percent. Mm. It's like 95 percent to 100." He's like, "The closest Walmart is 40 miles away from my my house. It's so much easier for my wife and I to just go on Amazon or just go on Walmart.com." And have it shipped to our to our location. I said, "Oh, that's crazy! What? How much? Uh, how much of your purchases for your farm do you do online?" He said, zero percent, actually." And uh, and I said, "Oh, well, why is that?" He said, "Well, there's no real way for me to engage with those retailers that I've been working with, uh, in and who are in this community, and uh, there's no way way for me to engage with them online today. There's no presence. They don't have a presence online. Uh, and so I took that back and kind of revved on that for a little bit and. Uh, so there, there's, there's got to be a way to do this. There's got to be a way to constructively bring together manufacturers, retailers, and then at the end of the day, the farmer customer um, to create efficiencies rather than redundancies in the industry and, and, and bring that digital ability, uh, bring that digital platform for, for growers to actually make that purchase. Um, and I should, I should say, I should fill in a little bit of a detail here that before I got into the ag space, I was working for uh, for a company in, in, in the Bay Area uh, called uh, Euclid, which was kind of this omni-channel retail technology. So working with a lot of the top Fortune 500 retailers, going through a very similar transition to what is happening here in ag retail. They have a strong physical sales channel, uh, and there was this new kind of e-commerce world that was, that was coming about, and they were trying to figure out how do you blend those two worlds effectively uh, and so our technology helped them do that. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of that retail, traditional retail experience, uh, and then coupled that with with this problem that we noticed uh, with this kind of growing divide between retailers and farmers looking to purchase online. 
I find that so interesting. A lot of the entrepreneurs I have on this show, it's always some really unique combination of back experiences that somehow intersect and it's like, okay, I could see why nobody else would have started this business. You know, nobody else was helping <laughs> traditional retailers get into the digital space and then got into ag and then combine the two. It's like, it's such an interesting sort of, um, you know, almost serendipitous uh, blending of, of events. Um, I'm curious though, you know, from your experience helping what we'll call traditional retailers get it, get into the digital space and now on the ag side, what are the major differences? I mean, what, why did that happen in the retail space before now it's happening in the ag space? So yeah, Tim, that's that's a phenomenal question, and I, I think um, you know that there's a lot. There's quite a few differences. This is not you know this is not as easy as selling two by fours online or a pair of socks uh, when it comes to selling ag products. And and I think you know to be honest, logistics has been a major challenge uh, in the industry. I think education of products has been something that has 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 really been primarily done just through person to person contact. Uh, but there's there's now there's that that there's this evolution where farmers are more comfortable with getting that information online, still getting it oftentimes. And, and part of our platform is you can still get that information um, directly through your through your retailers, but doing so in a, in an online fashion. And so I think that's a really key component is that access to information. I think also the fact that you do just have a have more of a general comfort uh, in in e-commerce, uh, and that's happening more and more. You see this penetration happening more and more. Uh, on, in the consumer side for farmers, uh, that, that that wasn't there, you know, 10 years ago, uh, but it is very much there now. Uh, and you see also, I think that that couples with the social media component. I think, you know, you're seeing an explosion of, of farmers on, on um, the different social media platforms, sharing information, connecting with one another. And I think that that also helps kind of move um, this this world into being these buyers and to be more comfortable with, with making and, and completing that transaction uh, online. Yeah, and, and that fits right in with a theme that, that has come up on the show time and time again, which is it's the technological solutions that combine with the human element that will yeah. stick around and that will be that, that will be effective. It started way back with uh, Mike Neal about a year ago, Decision Next, talking about their commodity analytics platform. We heard it recently with Dr. Jeremy Williams of Bayer talking about it with uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's like it, it, it's always those solutions that say, okay. Obviously, retailers in this case have a role. Uh, they're a trusted advisor. They, uh, you know, they handle those logistics you're talking about. How can we combine those people as assets with the technology so that everybody's better off? And it, it seems to be a really elegant solution to, to doing that. Yeah, that's spot on. We call it kind of augmenting the sales team, right? Mm -hmm. It's, uh, uh, and I think there, there, are, there are a lot of purchases, not a lot, but there's a percentage of purchases that farmers know exactly what they need to buy. Uh, and are looking to see if the retailer has that inventory and looking to see the price of that inventory. And so that type of purchase is, is one that, that makes sense to happen just purely in an online space. It's, it's not, we're, we're actually removing the necessity for uh, a sales guy to, to, to take the order, right? The order taking aspect of, of their job, which when we talk to our sales agronomists and our partner retailers, that's, that's the nightmare. That's the last thing they like to do. They want to be out there in the field. They want to be giving high value recommendations to the farmer. Uh, and so how do you clear up kind of some of that, the order taking work these, that these, uh, that these uh, retail salespeople have to go through and help them just get back to what, what they love to do and get back to where they provide the most value for, for the grower. And I, and I think this goes back to what I said earlier, but it's kind of creating those efficiencies rather than redundancies 
in, in the industry. And so um, that's, that is a key component of what we do. And, and, you know, we always say, listen, they're, I talked about the, the, the on the phone and in person and then online is kind of this triangle. And we always say kind of give the flexibility to your customer, let your customer decide if, if she wants to browse for products with you in person, sitting on her front porch, if she wants to ask her questions, ask questions on the phone and then ultimately transact online. Or maybe she wants to look at products and inventory online and ask you questions in person and then give you a call on a Sunday afternoon and make the transaction. Uh, but, but being able to create that flexibility for your customer is something that you see the brands in the traditional retail space, the ones who have nailed that, uh, those are the ones that are sticking around. Those are the ones that actually are excelling with the introduction of e-commerce and digital commerce. And that same concept is what we're bringing to our partner retailers here and, and hopefully bringing to the broader agricultural ecosystem and, and making farmers' lives uh, more flexible, more easy, more convenient uh, for how they're dealing with their retailer. Very cool. Uh, could you talk to us, Alexander, about the the evolution of AgVend? I mean, you're still uh, a startup, um, kind of where you started and, and what the business looks like currently. Yeah. Well, so we say we're an early stage company. Okay, Tim. <laughs> we're, um, we're, we're, yes, we're still a startup, uh, but we, we, uh, we launched the company back in August of 2017. So that's when we incorporated. So last year, um, and, uh, we spent kind of, we were pretty heads down for the first six to nine months of the company on the, on the technology side, really building, uh, all the tools necessary to create the agvent.com marketplace, uh, and enable retailers to list through that marketplace. And so I'd say that was kind of stage one of the company and, and we bootstrapped the company all the way up into that point. So we didn't take any additional funding. Uh, and then in March, we raised a, a seed, a small seed round to help kind of accelerate and, and uh, accelerate the growth of our product, obviously, but bring on more team members uh, and uh, and really kind of grow, uh, grow the business from there. And so that was March. And then we officially launched our marketplace in April uh, of that year. So earlier this year. Uh, and so that was kind of, I would say, a big step. That was stage two, essentially, of the company of growing out the team. We also spent a lot of time over the summer, especially at the kind of the tail end of this 2018 crop year of, of working with partner retailers, getting our message out there, bringing them on board, getting them on board and getting them comfortable selling on AgVent so that we could be really ready uh, for the 2019 crop year, really ready to handle large orders, really ready to uh, provide kind of a broad array of inventory, including crop protection as well as fertilizer, uh, as well as other farm supplies that, that growers need for for uh, for a successful season, and so that was really kind of I would say that 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 has we've just completed stage two, and now it's just right in time for uh, kind of prime time of the 2019 season. So a lot of changes has happened. It's been a very busy year, as you can imagine. But um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good ride so far. All right. Early stage company. I'm going to remember that. I, 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 love, I love when guests correct me. I don't know why, but it's like my favorite thing is when I say something and, and, and somebody on the show will be like, actually, <laughs> that's a, I don't know why. That's like my favorite thing. So that's definitely staying yeah. if you're okay with it. <laughs> For sure. It's just, uh, you know, I, I just laugh because people are so pedantic about how, you know, how, what stage of the company they're in. And that's something we don't really think about much, but I, I heard that the other day and I liked that. I was like, yeah, that's great. We're an early stage company, not a startup. <laughs> well, you all, so. you've been able to make some really impressive progress in, in an industry that 
um, when someone comes along with a new way of doing things is not always just excited to immediately embrace that. When do you usually see kind of like the light bulb come on? We're like, okay, yeah, this is something we can really use. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and and it's, it's interesting because you have with the marketplace, you have the two different constituents, right? Our partners, our partner retailers, and then the grower customer. Uh, and so I, I think for us, um, uh, you know, really, we, we, we kind of nailed the uh, a real problem in the market. I think that, that was also that was that was it was a real problem that existed, which I think is key when you're thinking about a business or thinking about a business model is to ensure that there is a real problem there to solve. So many so many companies are set up to optimize or kind of create a problem and then solve that problem. Uh, and, and what we found is that that's not the best way to, to, to create a successful business. So we found a real problem that existed. Uh, timing was great too for us. I think there's a lot of changes that are happening in the industry. I think we would, you know, I, I have to mention Farmers Business Network as being a, a force that is really kind of um, is a catalyst for change in the industry, whether no matter what your views on FBNR, they're, they're, they're forcing change in the industry. Uh, and, and I think for us, when we first started, with the retailers at least, it was, uh, it was a far more difficult conversation. It was a far more uh, challenging conversation for them to, to see that, that e-commerce isn't necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily crush their margins away or doesn't, doesn't mean the end of their business uh, by any means, actually. It, it is something that can be used and the ones who, who can get started with it, get comfortable with it, work it into their organization because it takes time. Um, but the ones who start and get on the tracks early are the ones who will be most successful with this. Uh, and I think uh, once you kind of help them see that point of saying, listen, there's Agvin is designed to grow with you. Agvin is designed for as when you get more and more comfortable with selling online, we'll have the tools. There will be that space for you to grow. That can be adding additional products. That can be growing your fulfillment zone. That could be with our new product here, the storefront. That could be launching your own e-commerce site. Uh, but all these tools are kind of the idea is, is just start. You know, just get out there. Uh, and when we talk to our retailers there, that, that, that seems very, it seems like a great, talk about a light bulb, it's, 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 it's really kind of that, 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 that feeling of being in control of, of their destiny at that point. And so uh, a lot of our partners, uh, our partner retailers are some of the most innovative retailers uh, in, in the country. And they saw that, they understood that and said, well, we got to get ahead of this train. We, we know this is coming. We can hear it from our growers. We can see it in our own purchasing behavior, uh, our, our own uh, comfort with buying things online. We know this is coming in the industry, and so might as well, and we better get on track, and we better get, get ahead of the competition there. Uh, and then I think on the grower side, that's been a really, again, this goes back to really kind of we hit the value, we hit the problem uh, that was existing in the industry. The growers appreciate that they can work with retailers that are still within their community. They appreciate that they still get access to a lot of the services that they that they need and that they require uh, if they so choose, right? So there's definitely, you can go in. We, we serve a lot of different segments of growers. We have that segment of grower who just just wants the product, doesn't, doesn't care about any of uh, any of the manufacturer programs or financing or servicing or application of the product just wants the product at the cheapest price and so you can list that product and with no services included um, but then you have the other grower who 
is requires access to John Deere financing uh, and can come through and find an offer that does have that or needs that product next day and can't wait two to three days for it to be delivered to his farm and so finds that offer that has that has that service or wants to make a purchase for fertilizer in August but actually doesn't need it until October so wants to take a delayed delivery of that uh, of that fertilizer. These are all different services that the retailer offers and these are kind of hits different segments of growers that are out there. Uh, you know, I, I always find that the most interesting thing about the industry is that everyone, every grower, and, and they're all essentially these corporations, every, every grower corporation is different. Uh, and so uh, being able to kind of create or be flexible enough to uh, sell to all these different segments of, of customers that are out there is crucial. And I think that our AgVen platform from day one was designed for this. And um, is really something that growers growers appreciate. I mean, the most common piece of feedback we get is, finally, finally this exists. Like, mm. this is something we've been wanting for so long. Finally, this exists. And that just makes us all very happy, obviously. And uh, and, and I think that's that's been a very common theme across, across our grower customers. I, I, yeah, I'm really glad you said that, especially about the farmers being so different. It, it's been something that's really come top of mind for me lately is um, – you, you can't say general statements about a farmer because yeah. they are all so very, very different. We were having this conversation about technology on a recent episode. You know, there are segments of the farmer population that are extremely adoptive to new technology and just hungry for things like this. And, and there's others that still are keeping everything by hand. You know, they're not using yeah. even Excel as a farm management software. So it really, really runs the gamut and, and technology adoption is just one example of, of the variety there. I'd love to hear you talk more about just a two-sided marketplace in general. We've had others on the show. Uh, I know it's it's a challenge when you are um, an early stage company and you're trying to commit resources um, to try to spread those resources a- across two different groups rather than one group. Instead of just targeting retailers or just targeting farmers, kind of having to target them both. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, any of the challenges you've faced in trying to grow a two-sided marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is... Uh uh, it, it is marketplaces. There's a great book that was written. Uh, I think it, it was out in 2017. It's called Matchmakers, and they talk about the new economics around uh, uh, marketplaces. But marketplaces are popping up all over the place. I mean, you like uh, you know, look at Uber for example. Uber is a marketplace. You have the drivers on one side, and you have the passengers on the other side. Um, so, so marketplaces are becoming a very common uh, w- w- way of transacting, and doing business throughout our economy. Uh, but yes, they come with a whole host of challenges. And I think the number one challenge is, and I say this to our partner retailers, is saying, listen, you know, our, we want to drive and, and create the best experience for our grower customers. But if you're not having a good experience selling through our site, you're no longer going to list product or inventory on our site and you're going to turn. And that's not good for us. We want to create a very healthy ecosystem of retailers who are finding success selling through AgVend and AgVend.com. And of course, growers who can come to the site and find competitively priced product at the service tiers that they're looking for and be able to, to get it on their farm in, in, in the time that they need it on their farm. Uh, and so that has to exist, right? The product depth, the, the, the service depth, that has to exist 
uh, on, on the other side of the marketplace for the grower to have the grower have a good experience. So it's really kind of a delicate balance of weighing those two different experiences. You can't just do everything for the grower. You can't just do everything for the retailer or that throws everything out of, out of sorts. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's kind of finding that balance, but also I think it's, it's educating. And I think this has been great with our, our partners who have come on is educating our partners as to reasons why we're taking steps to make it, uh, you know, more convenient for, for example, we just launched this new way for a grower to come in and build uh, a quote, a custom quote. So he can build essentially a custom bundle of, of products and services, and then he can submit it, send it out and get sent out to our network of, of partner retailers who could fulfill that. Uh, and they'll come back with pricing or questions and we facilitate that conversation. So that at first was something that our partner retailers said, wow, whoa, 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 we don't want that. That, that, no, 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 that's not how we want to be doing business. We just want to list product and, and, uh, and have them check out. And once we educated them around the value of, of why that, that needs to exist for the grower and the experience that he's having when he's buying through this site, they start to understand that. And they start to realize that a good grower experience, good customer experience for, for our farmers means that more and more farmers will, well, means that those farmers will come back. They'll tell their friends. And it will kind of more and more farmers will come to, to the marketplace, which will only help to drive their sales uh, through the marketplace and have this be a more productive channel for them. So like anything in this world, Tim, it comes back down to communication and communicating the value uh, as to why we're making certain changes uh, that are benefiting one side of the marketplace versus the other. And I know uh, back from my experience, I used to sell feed ingredients to dairies. And, and, you know, back at that point, I was even nervous at times to quote a price over email because they could change so fast. Um, uh, do, do you experience any pushback on some of these more volatile uh, priced products as far as putting a price out there because it might be gone? Or uh, have you ha do you have a solution for that kind of problem? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. I we, so and again, this just goes back to very clearly defining how long this this quote's valid for. Uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, especially on the fertilizer side, those quotes can can obviously change interday, right? And so, this quote that we, we typically on those on those quotes, we'll get on the phone and be have one have the retailer on one side of the farmer on the other, and kind of make that transaction work, right? Uh, but in other cases where uh, quote gets put out there, uh, and for crop protection, for example, and that, you know, that price isn't going to change for another week, another two weeks, whatever it may be, that will be clearly stated in how we respond to the farmer. And then he can make his decision as to whether or not that's the right choice for him. That's gotcha. a great question. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I always thought because for some reason I always like to, um, use the analogy of airlines when it comes to, to commodities. Like, you know, I used to live in the panhandle of Texas and, uh, the spread between flying out of Amarillo versus flying out of Albuquerque would have to be a certain amount, you know, at, at any given time for me to lock in, uh, uh, um, Amarillo and, and not Albuquerque. And I always thought it'd be fun if there was like a secondary market for, uh, for for airline tickets, so you could kind of like arbitrage airline tickets. Anyway, I'm taking this on a really weird tangent. Here. I apologize, but like but uh, but anyway, you are kind of like you know similar to like a kayak uh, brings different airlines that are offering different products at different prices at different times um, and puts it in one place, you know, for for a farmer to be able to see. And I think that's kind of. Uh, just an interesting concept in general. Um, do you ever go ahead? So, but on that on that point, I think it's really important. Is that, and I I forgot to mention this when it came to uh, the 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 challenge between having this double sided marketplace. Is that 
the partner retailers, or if you take the kayak example, the airlines that sell plane tickets through kayak, that's, that's representative of the kayak brand. If someone goes on and buys a plane ticket and the plane isn't there or the ticket is, gets returned or um, this is a scary uh, um, airline to fly, for example, or, or an airline with a lot of problems and maintenance problems, that, that reflects poorly on kayak. And so that's something that we're very careful with at AgBend, which is only bringing on partner retailers that we vet and we feel that bring that are, are kind of providing the best level of uh, expertise, service, and value to, to grow our customers. And so we're actually highly selective and, and are fortunate enough to be in that position where we're selective of who comes onto our site. Uh, and that's really important because it has to maintain our AgBend brand is, is, is tied to the partners that are selling through our site. And so it has to be, I always say to the team, it's got to be a 10 out of 10 experience every single time a farmer comes and makes a purchase. There's just, we cannot afford uh, anything uh, less than a 10 out of 10 experience. And the way we do that is make sure that we do a lot of qualification of, of the partners that we bring on board um, from day one of that process. So that's a really important piece. Um, and then the other piece with the kayak and, and the kayak analogy, it's a great analogy. And so you, you can think of us have built the, um, the, the kayak kind of for ag products, but then, you know, just, just as we saw what happened in, in airlines and, uh, and hotels, for example, is that, yes, they were listing inventory on kayak, but, but there was also a segment of grower that really, or, or, or in, in travel, a segment of traveler who just wanted to go and buy from the airline that they fly every time. Mm-hmm. Or just wanted to go and stay at the hotel that they fly at and they re- or that they stay at every single time. And this could be typically with these airlines, and I can tell you I'm a slave to United. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, typically it's, it's because of the, the, the loyalty rewards and, report and, and miles that you get or treatment you get when you go to that hotel. Um, but I think in agriculture, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's more about the brand that you're buying from and, and the really trust, the trust of that brand. Uh, that you're buying from. And so that's where you see kind of the natural transition from, okay, you have this kayak marketplace where you can sell through, but now I actually want my own e-commerce channel to, to be listing my, my brand to target really that segment of growers who I know are going to come back year after year and buy from us because we've just been doing great by them. We've just been doing good by them year after year. And they trust us and they value our service. They trust and they value our advice and expertise. And they want to continue to support us, which I think is really important because that's, that's, the, that's, you know, that's a segment of grower out there. And, and you know, our storefront product is, is very good at servicing that, that segment of grower. Um, and then there's the other grower, the other segment of grower who, and this is a multi-segment, multi-faceted segment of grower, is, who's out there and saying, you know, I, I put less value on who I'm buying for buying from. I really care about the product I'm buying, about the service tier that I'm getting and, and the price and the delivery options or, and the financing options of, of that, of that offer. Um, and so that's a different segment of grower and that segment of grower is typically the one we see on the AgBend marketplace. Yeah. But you're, you're giving your partners a chance at that business. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Capturing two different segments of growers out there. Exactly. Yeah, I could definitely see why why you call it a partnership. I mean, it truly is, especially with you being selective about who who is on there and your success is tied to theirs and vice versa. Uh, it definitely, you know, it certainly is a partnership in 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 
those senses of the word. Um, all right. So you're going to be my first guinea pig on this. I'm trying to do a little segment on every show called uh, Manager Minute, uh, where we just talk about some lessons you have learned from your experiences as far as building teams, managing people, or, or even just personal productivity. So is, is there anything that comes top of mind to you that has just been uh, a really big lesson that you've learned since you started Agven when it comes to uh, management? Yeah, this is something I've actually been, I feel like I've had this conversation with someone every day this week. And so it's very top of mind for me, but it's, it's the retrofitting a culture to a company is nearly impossible. What that means is if, if you don't have a company culture or company set of values uh, and, and you grow very quickly, which I've seen, and I've, I've been part of companies like this and you grow very quickly and everything is great. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, we really should create an identity for ourselves. We really should create a company value that what we stand for. Uh, it's very difficult to do that and retrofit it back to your company. Uh, and so, so I think for, for me, one thing that my co-founder uh, Ellie and I have done was that even before we incorporated the company, we said, if we were going to start a company, what would be, how would we want what would be the values? What would we stand for uh, as a company? Uh, uh, what would we do? What, what would those be? And and one that, that this exercise great was great because it said, are we aligned at how we want to build a company together and what that that should look like? Uh, and, and then two, kind of more importantly, is uh, it, it then became it's 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 a it's the it's the building block that everything else was built on top of and it and it influences and it and it comes in and it feeds into every decision uh, that we make. So I'll give you a good example of that is that one of our company values is do what you say you're going to do. It's it's crucial to us that if you say you're going to do something, you go do it. Uh, and that <laughs> it kind of works in the way of for our partner retailers. It's saying. Uh, you know, we, if we say we're going to release this feature, we're going to release that feature. And if we say it's going to be released on October 1st, it's going to be released on October 1st. And we're not going to sell you any snake oil here. Uh, we're going to, we're going to tell you that this is what we're going to build. We're not going to sell ahead. We do a terrible job of that at Agvent. Probably should do a little bit more of that. We're not going to sell ahead. We're going to say, this is what we have to offer. This is what we will have to offer in a month's time. Uh, and, and, and you can either come on board and grow with us that way. Uh, or you can wait, and that's totally fine. And so that that that's a company value that really kind of pervades through a lot of the decisions we make. And the other thing, the other company value I always like to talk about is is extreme ownership. And so this comes from uh, a Navy SEAL called Jocko Willing and Leif Batham, uh, Babham, uh, who's it's it's a book that I had on my desk, and it's it's something that I really um, think about each day. But extreme ownership is is really this concept of uh, it's it's no one else's fault. It's it's your fault. It's 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 you as a leader, as a manager. You take full responsibility uh, for for your team's actions, uh, and oftentimes that that can be uh, up the curve, and that can be also down the curve. So so you can you so if you're if you're a member on the team, you can also own your own world. So you say, this is my world. This is what I'm doing, and this is anything that happens in this world, I own. Uh, as a leader uh, of the company, as a manager of the company, if anything happens that that is that that is your team or happens with one of the members of your team, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. Uh, and so I think that pervades into into our customer uh, support and and how much we value our our customers that are buying through the site is that if anything happens, it's it's kind of you know we take full ownership and responsibility uh, for that. And so this goes back to building the brand as well, but. Uh, it, when you buy through the Agvent marketplace, you're, you're not kind of out there on your own. 
as a grower. You're, you're buying and we're with you every step of the way. And if anything goes wrong, we're going to own that for you. Uh, and we're going to make you right on that. Uh, and so those company values, like I said, when we built the company, those, those existed before you know, we incorporated uh, and thus have, have now made their way into every business decision and, and, and very small uh, but meaningful aspects of our company. So it's very pervasive. So I think that's been one of the crucial elements that uh, you know, I've, we struggled with at previous companies that we worked for, which was kind of retrofitting that, that company value and company culture. Um, but at AgVend, we said, let's start that even before we came up with a name for the company and then let's build from there. So um, that's been one of the key lessons I've learned. I love it. Okay. You set the bar very high for future manager minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely a segment that's sticking around because that was uh, such a good answer. And both of those things, I can think of, uh, you know, no more important elements to building trust than, than extreme ownership and doing what you say you're going to do. Uh, so I'm sure that has been instrumental in, in your success and will continue to to be so. Um, if anybody wants to reach out, either a grower or a retailer, just uh, a fellow entrepreneur, what's uh, what's someplace we could direct them, Alexander, to to uh, follow up with you after this episode? Oh, well, just like we tell our partners, you can you know you, you got to be as flexible as possible and be be open to any channel that people want to communicate with uh, with you on. So if you want to send us an email, you can send it to contact at agvend.com. If you want to reach us on Facebook, we're agvendhq. On Twitter, we're at agvendhq. On Instagram, we're at agvendhq. So send us, send us a message that way. If you want to reach me personally, uh, I have no problem giving this out. My email is alexander uh, at agvend.com. Feel free to drop me a note there and uh, we, can, we can continue the conversation. Excellent. We will include all that in the show notes too. Alexander, thanks so much for your time. This has been really, really enjoyable. Yes, Tim. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, and uh, keep up the great work here. This is a great show and I always like listening to it. I loved that conversation. Thank you so much to Alexander for being on the show. Make sure you check him out at agvend.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If there's anything I failed to ask Alexander, you can always head over to speakpipe.com forward slash future of ag, and we can get it captured there. And I'm always open to your input and your feedback. So feel free on pretty much any social media platform or via email to send me your feedback on this show and how we can make it better about the future of agriculture. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.